Hello, hello and welcome. I'm your host, Jaden Ford, and this is Let's Talk About It, man. And we're back for another banger. It's episode 10. I'm more than grateful to be in the position I am today to say I have a podcast, to say I've done 10 episodes, to say I have an audience. And for all of you that have listened to one, two, or maybe even three, or all of them, man, I just appreciate you guys. I do this thing on my free time when I do have that, and I just I, I just really love sports, and I feel like this is a great way for people to be caught up on things, you know, especially with all of the sports that's going on right now. We got NBA, we got NFL, we got college and basketball is starting up too for college as well. So this is a great way, I think, in my opinion, for people to stay in tune, for people to stay in the loop and stay in the know. This is episode 10 and let's talk about it. So obviously we start off with the college football rankings week 10. Number one here is Georgia with an eight and no record. Um, let's see who they played this past weekend. The SEC is strong this year, man. This past game that they played was Florida. They won 34-7 in dominating fashion. Florida started off the season pretty good with high hopes, but honestly, I never thought that they were going to be able to withhold that strong SEC. I mean, there's so many teams within that conference that can beat you and that can be beaten that it's one of those things that Florida is going to need to recruit better. Um Georgia's a great team, and honestly, they've done what Oklahoma did, man. They they had one quarterback, went with another for different reasons, injuries and whatnot, but I I think that that Stinson Bennett kid is going to be the guy. I think he's going to be the one to lead him down the way, and let's get into those stats that he had against Florida. I mean, it was an impressive game, and I think that the Georgia fans are very happy and very excited, but there's one thing that they need to keep. They need to keep their eye on. You know what that is? The Oklahoma Sooners coming around for um, payback. But we'll get into that later down the road. So Stinson Bennett was 10 for 19, 161 yards, one touchdown with two interceptions. I mean, it's not bad for the young kid. You know, he came out and won the game 34 to 17, 34 to 7. When you have a strong defense like that, you don't have to play as well. Um, Georgia's running back, Zach White, I think is that his name, 14 carries, 105 yards, one touchdown, as well as Kay Jackson, the receiver, with three receptions, 60 yards, and one touchdown. The Georgia Bulldogs are strong, man. Uh, their defense is better than anybody in the conference right now, as well as the, the nation. Um, they're leading in all aspects on defense. Their, their, their quarterback is, you know, he's one of those guys that he's not going to make too many mistakes. He's not going to, I mean, he did throw two interceptions, but when I watch him play, he really reminds me of a Jake Fromm. Jake Fromm was very consistent um, in big games. He he tended to show up, and sometimes he might not play as well, but his defense backed him up, and they came out. And they had a pretty good three or four years under um, under Jake Fromm, Jake from State Fromm. So that's his, actually his Twitter handle for those that do not know. But let's get into a little bit of this defense for Georgia. Defense, I mean, it's it's one of those things that Georgia – harps on they had they had multiple guys in in high digital tackling they had a 13 total with quay walker lewis klein had eight nicobe dean at seven adam anderson at seven channing dindale had seven keely ringo at five deandre kendrick had five latavia Brittany had five christopher smith had four and the list goes on and on i mean when you got guys like that running around the football field it's gonna be hard to stop it really is i mean they don't they they don't give up big plays, and that's what's going to very that's going to go in their favor in the college football playoff this year. Because if you don't give up big plays, it's hard to win because the other team doesn't have momentum. So shout out to the Georgia Bulldogs, man. We're going to move on to number two to the Cincinnati Bearcats, a team I've been high on all season long. If anybody's been listening, I'm very proud of this team. The Cincinnati Bearcats. They came out. They played the Tulane. 
I do not know their mascot. Pretty tough. Tulane's a tough team. If, if for those that for those that remember, Tulane came out and almost upset Oklahoma at, at their home opener. I mean, it's one of those one of those teams that their record might not look that good, but they have a lot of great players on that team, and you cannot overlook Tulane. The um the Green Wave is is their is their mascot. I apologize for Tulane fans, but the Cincinnati Bearcats it came out it's kind of a slow start, but hey, I think that they I think they woke up in the fourth quarter, really the second half. I mean, Cincinnati only put up seven points in the first three quarters, but then in the fourth quarter they came out and they put up ten on a consistent on a consistent basis, stopping Tulane. But the problem is Tulane would still move the ball, get in the field goal range, and they came up with twelve points in the second half. So I mean, that's where they got their twelve points from. But um. You know, um, Ritter, their quarterback, D. Ritter, 17-27, 227 yards. I mean, just absolutely going out there dealing. I think he, in my opinion, he should be a Heisman candidate. He's a 6'4 senior out of Louisville, Kentucky, 215 pounds. He has 1,800 passing yards on the year, 18 touchdowns, only four interceptions with a QBR 70, which is 36 in the country, which is pretty darn good. Um, I don't think he's better than Matt Corral. I don't think he's better than, you know, those type of guys like that. But um, I think that he should be getting talked about because he's leading his team. Through, I ain't going to say a tough schedule, but, I mean, it's not easy to be undefeated no matter who you are and where you're at. So, shout out to the Cincinnati Bearcats, their quarterback, as well as their head coach. I mean, they got a great organization over there. Um, there's not much that you could say other than that they're going to have to beat a team like Oklahoma, a team like Georgia, a team like Alabama in order for them to gain the respect because being number two is not enough, and I'm sure they know that. Shout out to Cincinnati Bearcats. Number three, we have the Alabama Roll Tide, who in my opinion is better than Cincinnati. I've watched Cincinnati and Alabama play a lot this year. And the difference for Alabama than most years is that they're beatable. And that's scary for Alabama fans, but the problem is a beatable Alabama, in my opinion, is still better than an 8-0 Cincinnati Bearcats because it's talent. And talent always wins, okay? So when you come out and you beat a great team, Tennessee is on the come up this year, 52-24 to after a slow start. It's a testimony to your offense, man. It's a testimony to your defense. It's a testimony to your coaching. The Alabama Crimson Roll Tide is the team to beat, um, in my opinion. I think that they could come out and they could beat Georgia in the SEC championship if they play each other. And um, they are LSU next week. And then they finish the season off with Auburn and, you know, this month, 27th of November. And if they win that game, man, they're going to be in the, the perfect position, as they always are. So... The Alabama Roll Tide, they came out and they played strong. Bryce Young, he was 31-43, 371 yards and two touchdowns. B. John Robinson, their running back, 26 carries, 107 yards and three touchdowns. His, his first name is not B. John. I apologize. That is the Texas running back. His name is Brian Robinson, senior from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. He has 142 carries in the year, 706 yards and 11 touchdowns, five yards per carry. I mean, a running back like that always is going to make your offense better. And when you got a guy to throw to like Jamison Williams for six receptions, 123 yards, he does that every week, guys. For those of you that do not know, if Alabama did not have James Jamison Williams on this football team, they would have a different outlook on their season. And um, I'm going to let you guys do your own research on that, but he's a transfer from I'm not sure where, but without him, that offense would be struggling. Defense is still great. Defense is amazing. But without Jamison Williams, they would be struggling. So, shout out to the Alabama Clemson Roll Tide, red, led by Nick Saban. And I think that they're in the perfect position. Coming in at number four is my favorite team, Sooner Born, Sooner Bred, and I'm a goddamn Sooner fan, man. We came out and we beat down the Texas Tech Red Raiders, who do not have a head coach, 52-21. Um, to 21. Uh, after this week, we have, a bye, we have a bye week, and then we play Baylor, the ranked number 14 team in the nation. Then we got... Um, 
Iowa State, and then we got Oklahoma State. These last three games are tough for us, man. And there are three games that we could very well be in close matchups with, and we're going to have to come out on top. So I really hope and pray that Alice Grinch gets that defense ready. I hope that um, Lincoln Riley has the quarterbacks ready, because I think Spencer Rattler is going to be helping us down the road, man. He may not be here next year, but down the road, he can be a very, very big thing leader, veteran, if you will, to Caleb Williams. So we're going to need him, man. But last week against Texas Tech, Caleb Williams, he, he didn't stop impressing. He was 23 of 30, 402 yards and six touchdowns. The first quarterback since Kyler Murray or Baker Mayfield, not even Jalen Hurts, guys. The first quarterback since Jalen, I mean, the first quarterback since Baker Mayfield to come out and throw six touchdowns with zero interceptions. And he didn't play the whole game, guys. It's absolutely, it's, it's crazy who this guy is, how good he is, and what he can do. Marvin Mims, one of the best receivers on our team. Four receptions, 135 yards, and two touchdowns. Texas Tech couldn't hold him to save their lives. It was just, he ran a slant, he was open. He ran a comeback, he was open. He ran a, I mean, the dude could run a jet sweep. He's taking it for 20 yards. There was no way for them to stop Marvin Mims, as well as Caleb Williams. Offensive line is blocking very well on this play that's getting ran in front of me again. Caleb Williams throws on the run to a touchdown to guess who Mario Williams another guy who went absolutely off <clears throat> I want to check his stats Mario Williams stats Mario Williams was five receptions 100 yards and one touchdown I mean these guys are out there just getting what they want Drake Schroops was three for 57 and one touchdown I mean it, when you got guys like that and Austin Stogner having a having a quiet year still had a touchdown this year so when you got guys like that and the quarterback like Caleb Williams it's hard to beat them. I do think that one thing we need to do is become more prepared on defense. I think our offense is finally rolling. Our offense is fine there, if you will. They found what they're made of. They found what they can do. And I think that we need to use the deep ball a lot more. Because when Spencer Rattler was in, he was very worried about his draft stock, very worried about his Heisman can candidate. Um, you know, and, and it's one of them things that Caleb Williams is not too worried about. He's coming out and he wants to win games. And you can win games and still withhold all of those accolades, but you can't think about them too much. You just got to go out and play, put your best foot forward, and hope your team can out on win so shout out to Oklahoma I'm very proud of you guys I'm I'm really after this bye week I think that it's gonna be good for us we're gonna come out we're gonna come out fresh against Baylor we're gonna come out and beat them down uh, I got us winning about 10 or 14 I will say it's gonna be a close one and Baylor's gonna be even closer so that is how they're gonna wrap up their season with three weeks left and I really hope that Oklahoma's ready for this college football playoff because if we went out there's nobody in front of us stopping us baby Coming in at number five, we got Michigan State. Great team, great organization, great running back. Great. You can't say enough about them. They're number five team in the country simply because they're number five team in the country. I mean, I just don't think that they're better than Oklahoma right now. I've watched them play. Um, one thing that they have that Oklahoma doesn't have is discipline. And I think that that is a big factor. But also, Michigan State has not played many great teams this year. They had one good win over Miami early in the season, week three, 38-17. Other than that, they played... A tough Nebraska team like Oklahoma did. They won 23 to 20. They're just as good as Oklahoma or just a little bit worse. Um, they came out and they beat the number six Michigan team 37 to 33 in a rivalry. That was a great game. Michigan had the chance to win, but Michigan State rallied back and they won. So shout out to them, man. Uh, Michigan State, one of those teams that a lot of people weren't expecting to be this high in the rankings this late in the season. Number six, Iowa State is coming in. Um, they've dropped a spot. I want to say they were number five last week, but they came out and they had a tough game against Penn State. Penn State just had a tough schedule this year, guys. I mean, they started off great, but now they're ranked number 20 and probably will fall out of the rankings here pretty soon if they have another tough game. But, I mean, when you win 33-24 to in a rivalry game against a great Penn State team, 
who was very good this year and healthy, it's a testimony to your team, man. Yeah, y'all lost to Oregon 35-28 in that first, I want to say second game. They don't lose that game, folks. They're number three or four, no matter what. There's a lot of coaching polls that have them number four or number three. But, you know, ESPN and all the other guys who matter, you could say, have them number five or number six. Either one is fine. On this AFCA coaches poll to number five, Michigan State's number six. One through four is yet to be changed. So, I mean, shout out Ohio State. Their quarterback, great guy. Running back, even a greater guy. And they have a great head coach over there in Ryan Day. It's a formula to win football games. And even if they do not crack the top four, they're not losing that bowl game. They, they just won't. Coming in, number seven is Oregon. A team who struggled. Now they're on the way back up. They lost to Stanford 31-24. to They completely shot down their chance of the college football playoff. And as well as them losing to, um, no, no, I take that back. They won against Ohio State. I apologize. 35-28. to It's one of them teams that are good, but that loss might keep them out of the out of the loop. They are missing a few players and injuries. They have got a few back, but I'm pretty sure they're missing their starting running back, C.J. Verdell. Travis Dye came in. He's doing his thing. He's trying his best to pick up where the slack may be, but it's just tough, especially when you got teams ahead of you that are just better than you. So, I mean, shout out to Oregon Ducks, though. Y'all have great jerseys. You look good, you feel good, and you play good every week. You have four games left. You don't have any ranked opponents, but if you can come out and you beat another team like you did Colorado 52-29, to hey, you might, you never know. Somebody could lose in front of you. A team like Cincinnati, a team like Oklahoma, when I hate to say it, a team like even Alabama could lose a football game. You guys scurry back in there. Coming in at number eight is Notre Dame. It's one team I truthfully haven't watched this much. Um, I watched them against FSU in that first game and they only won by three points. And they have a great safety over there who's going to go first round no matter what. But they played Cincinnati, one of Cincinnati's only ranked opponents this year, and they lost 24-13. So it shows you how good Cincinnati is, shows you how good Notre Dame is. But the problem with Notre Dame is, like, I, I'm pretty sure I've said this in, like, episode five or six, their big guys in the trenches just do not match up with SEC. Or sometimes they don't even match up with Pac-12 opponents. It's very it's very odd. Their defensive line and offensive line usually pretty big, but they're just not as talented and it's one of those things that teams like Notre Dame are going to struggle with. But, you know, they came out and they played a great UNC team, University of North Carolina, for those that do not know. And they won 44-34. to And the week before that, they had another good game against USC. They're a great team. They just don't have enough to wow the committee. They don't have enough to say, well, this team is better than these four teams to get into the college football playoff. So I think unless a lot of things shake up in that top three or four, Notre Dame will finish in the top 10. That's a great accolade for them. And I think that they'll be moving forward and getting better each and every year. Michigan, coming off a loss. They dropped three spots. They were number six, not number nine. They're seven and one. They lost to the rivalry in Michigan State, who is ranked number five. Hey, you can't complain, man. It, someone had to lose the game. You had, you're having one of the best seasons you've had under, under Harborough. You're having one of the best times for seniors right now. It's a, great, it's a great time to be a Wolverine. So I wouldn't hang your hat. I would continue to fight. And you have multiple chances to come out and beat people and get back into that conversation. You've still got number 22, Penn State. And you still got number 6, Ohio State. So keep your head up high, man, and just continue to fight. Wear those Jordan jerseys with pride. Because the Michigan Wolverines, in my opinion, they had that game won. I didn't I didn't watch the ending, but I, I truthfully thought Michigan State lost. I see the highlights. Michigan State running back running up the sideline, and they win the game. So, Michigan, Michigan, keep your head up high, man. It's going to be okay, and I think that you guys will get back into that top six or seven, if, if God's willing. So, 
You know, shout out to Michigan Wolverines, shout out Hall Broad, and shout out those guys over there who are fighting for one of their best seasons in over five to six years. Number 10, Wake Forest, who honestly would have been an honorable mention, but I don't, who did they just beat? Because I, I've, I've never watched Wake Forest play a whole football game, guys. I might have seen a quarter or maybe a few plays, but they're a great football team, man, looking at this schedule. They came out and they beat Navy. They put 70 points on Navy, 70 to 56. Every game they've won, they've scored 35 or more points, guys. That that's nice for them. They haven't played anybody crazy. They played Old Dominion, Norfolk, Florida State, University of Virginia, Louisville, Syracuse Army, and Duke was their last win, forty-five to seven. Duke is an okay team, but they have they have a very big chance to finish undefeated. They have all unranked teams left: UNC, North Carolina State, Clemson, and Boston College. They're very well probably will be the team like UCF that does not get in but has a lot of respect and may even be the ones that are quote-unquote snubbed. Shout out to Wake Forest Demon Deacons. Coming in number 10. Honorable mention of number 11, the Ohio State, I'll take that back, the Oklahoma State Cowboys. The Oklahoma State Cowboys are a great football team with a great defense, best in the Big 12 by far. The problem is Spencer Sanders, I've said this and I'm going to say it again, is not even Spencer Rattler, and I'm not saying that's easy to do, but Spencer Sanders kind of holds that team's back. He runs a lot when people are open. He misses a lot of people when they are open, and he throws the people when they're covered. It's just three things I wouldn't want my quarterback to do, but nevertheless, I'm telling y'all right now, the Oklahoma State defense is somebody to worry about. The Oklahoma Sooners can very well come out and beat this team by 10 to 14, but it's not going to be easy. They're going to have to have their head on a swivel because guys like Malcolm Rodriguez are laying people out and you have to be watching Mike Gundy is a great head coach their defensive coordinator has been there for years he knows everybody he knows how to beat him he knows what to call he knows when to call it so honorable mention of Oklahoma State I was at the game this past weekend great stadium great atmosphere Bedlam's going to be electric I'm pretty sure college game day should be there if they're not they're missing out on a crazy experience shout out to Oklahoma State shout out to Malcolm Rodriguez and shout out to Mike Gundy one of my favorite coaches in the Big 12, behind Lincoln Riley, my favorite team of the Oklahoma Sooners. That's going to wrap up our college football top 10. I necessarily don't have an honorable mention of this week, and I'm sure I could find one, but I have a lot to talk about the NFL, especially with the tread deadlines coming up. Um, most people probably have seen these two things in the headlines. Um, Devin, not Devin, Derrick Henry is hurt, out for the season indefinitely, foot injury. They picked up the Titans today. The Titans picked up Adrian Pearson, veteran, off of waivers. Hopefully he can, you know, relieve a little bit of that stress on Ryan Tenhill as well as those two receivers, Julio Jones and A.J. Brown. But the problem with that is not having Derrick Henry makes the, you know, the other coaches know that they're going to be trying to get Julio and A.J. Brown involved more. So, honestly, that gives Adrian Pearson all the love that he needs. And I hope that, you know, they could, they could come on top. There's a lot of games left in this NFL season, dude. It's like 12, 13 some odd games left. It's one of those weeks to where people are hurt, people are tired, people are disappointed, people are checked out, but teams like the Titans have no time to be that because they're missing their, the best player on the football field. So, hey, the NFL, I mean, it, it's it's one of them things that you got to just fight through. It's, it's, not, it's not the 82-game regular season of the, um, of the NBA, but that 17-game season this year is the first of many for a lot of these players, and that's going to be hard for them to adjust to. It's one more extra game. That's a lot of more extra snaps, and that's a lot of more extra practicing. Moving on to this trade deadline. One of the things that really caught my eye about this trade deadline is that Von Miller traded the Rams. 
I was talking with a few people at the gym about 30 minutes ago, and I'm not understanding why Von Miller was traded for a second round and a third round pick to a team like the Broncos who needs to win right now. If you want to rebuild, rebuild. But you have great players. You made moves. What you need is a quarterback. And then they came out and said they're not trading for Bron- they're not trading for Cam Newton and they're not pursuing Deshaun Watson to trade. Sounds like they don't want to win. I don't know who their owner is. I want to say it's like Vic Vagano. He's a freaking idiot. I don't understand why you would trade Von Miller. One of my friends did tell me that Von Miller's old and those picks could very well be another Von Miller. And that makes sense. But for a team like the Broncos, who's only missing one piece, in my opinion, as a quarterback, for them to get rid of their X-Factor player and Von Miller, their edge rusher, it's crazy. And then to give them to the Rams... Oh, my gosh, it hurt my heart, dude, because Russell Wilson's hurt right now. He's going to have to come back and face Aaron Donald, Von Miller, and Jalen Ramsey, as well as the 49ers, as well as the other teams in that division with great defenses like the Cardinals. It's it's a tough year to be a Seahawks fan, but I'm fighting through. I'm standing on all my ten toes. And you know what I think? Russell Wilson comes back after this bye week. We're going to the playoffs, baby, and you never know what can happen in the playoffs. So let's go ahead and continue to move on. Melvin Ingram... To the Chiefs. That's a big one, guys. That's one I did not see until right now. Melvin Ingram is a great pass rusher. Last time I checked, he played for the um, Pittsburgh Steelers. He's one of those guys, bro, that is going to add to that defense already. Already got Frank Clark. They already got the big guy in the middle. I cannot remember his name right now. Chris Jones, Tyron Matthew, Ladarius Sneed. They got guys on the defense, man, as well as guys on that offense. So that's a big pickup for the Chiefs. And I don't know what is up with these 2022 draft class, but everybody is taking a player for a pick. And it's not first round either. This was a six-round pick for Melvin Ingram. That's absolutely insane to me. So let's see what let's see what else catches my eye here. Jakeem Grant to the Bears for 2023 sixth round pick. Jakeem Grant is one of those fast players that play for Miami, kind of behind Jalen Waddle, one of those type guys. But I just don't understand. I mean, I take that back. I do understand his trade. Young, not doing too much, finding a different place to develop. Um, the Bears would be a good place for him. Young quarterback, young organization. Stephon Gilmore to the Panthers. That's more of an old one. Um, the Patriots absolutely gave him away. Don't know what they were thinking. Don't know what they were trying to think, but it was wrong. You could have at least got another player for him. You gave him up a 2023 six-round pick for your best corner. One of the best corners in the league, top three. It makes no sense to me, guys. Some, some of these things on this trade deadline or even before the season don't make sense to me. And the one thing that's really scratching my head is if you're the Houston Texans, right, and you're not winning football games, right? And your head coach, your organization is crumbling, and you have a great star quarterback in Deshaun Watson who supposedly is a pedophile and molester. Why don't you trade him? It doesn't make any sense to me. It would be different if the Texans are a contender like like, like the Cardinals or something like that, and they have a good system going on even without Deshaun Watson. They want to keep him in case they believe that this is not true or it's proven not to be true. But that's not the case. The Texans suck. They don't have anybody who can help him. They got to let that guy go. Get you guys some more collateral. Let Deshaun Watson go before it's proven as guilty or not guilty. Because regardless of the outcome, he's going to suffer, dude. He hadn't played in months. He hadn't played in a damn year, it feels like. It's absolutely crazy. He's like the Clay Thompson of the NFL. But the problem is he wants to leave, but they won't let him. So if you're listening to this and you have any ties to any of those people I've just mentioned, tell them to let go of that guy. He doesn't even want to be there. He does not even want to be there. It's crazy to me. It really is that that they won't get rid of him. And the last thing that I'll talk about in the NFL trade deadline, I'll get off, and I'll get off of this, is the simple fact that 
the Dolphins aren't trying to get Deshaun Watson no more. The Dolphins aren't trying to shop Tua. The Dolphins aren't trying to develop Jalen Waddle as much as they can. I mean, that head coach over there is is tripping. And I don't think that he'll be there long enough to make these decisions that he thinks are going to take three or four years because they're not going to play that game, dude. They're really not. Like it, It's just one of those things to where no one is worried about you guys and when, you're, when no one's worried about you, no one's going to help you out. So, I mean, shout out to NFL for making trade deadlines, making moves. But I was hoping the Seahawks got Xavier Howard. Um, I'm pretty sure the trade deadline just ended like 10 minutes ago, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, Odell Beckham Jr. still trapped as a Brown. They don't throw him the ball. He had one catch for six yards this past week. He's open. I don't know if it's Baker Mayfield and his um, you know, chemistry. I don't know if it's the coach and his, and his chemistry. I couldn't tell you what it is, but one thing I can tell you is Odell Beckham Jr. is having one of the worst two-year stints he has ever had in his career. And honestly, without that one-handed catch in the Giants, I don't know what his career would be, guys. He hasn't done much. He really hasn't. His best year was 2014-2015. He came out and he did amazing things. He had to catch, I want to say, the year before that or the following year. But since then, he's been a straight disappointment, guys. It's been a straight disappointment. And I'm not the only one that thinks that. I'm actually reading this smooth off of Sports Illustrated as we speak. It's one of those, one of those articles about you know all the trades and stuff like that. Keep me in the loop as well as I, while I keep you guys in the loop. But yeah, I, I can't believe that they're not getting rid of him. I really can't. Moving on to the to the to the Las Vegas Raiders. Henry Ruggs is finally, and I hate to say finally, but you know Las Vegas has got the best of him. He was involved in a deadly car accident. Will be charged with the DUI. I'm hoping that he did not kill anybody it says wide receiver for the raiders henry ruggs was involved in a car accident that resulted in a death tuesday morning will be charged with the dui las vegas metropolitan police department announced on november 2nd at approximately 3:39 a.m the lmvpd responded to a traffic collision near the intersection of south rainbow boulevard and south spring valley parkway involving a chevrolet corvette and a toyota rav4 responding officers located the toyota rav4 on fire that's absolutely crazy there's some pictures here it looks like um, wow, I can't even tell what car that is. That thing is smashed to pieces. Henry Ruggs had to be drunk. There's no other uh, other drunk or distracted. I mean, Lord, it says the police announced that Ruggs was found to be impaired and he will be charged with DUI. He was transported to UMC Hospital where he was treated for non-life-threatening injuries. That's very, very sad, guys. I did not know that he... I'm not saying he killed anybody. I got to be very, very, very careful with my words. I'm just saying that it's crazy he's involved in this thing or he's even a counterpart. Simple fact that he's an NFL player. And I've seen a guy post on Snapchat today, you have the money for a driver if you're drunk while you're driving. And my answer to that was very simple. Some people just like to drive. He's 22 years old. He's young. Could have possibly been on the way to a girl house, a friend's house, a party, a club. He wanted to ride in his nice car. He wanted to ride and he wanted to feel his money being spent with his power. And I don't blame him, but I do understand where you're coming from, dude. He has the money for a driver, has the money for Uber. If you're that impaired, or really impaired at all, guys, get an Uber. Have someone sober drive you. All of those things will save lives, save time, and as well as money. So, Henry Ruggs, I'm praying for you and as well as the family who lost their loved one this past week. That's going to shift me into the NBA. The NFL has a few scores I might circle back around at the end, but the NFL um, is in great hands, guys. We don't even have to sit here and talk about who's great. We know who's great. We know who's great. Lamar Jackson's great. Um, Patrick Mahomes is trying to be great. He had a great pass, sidearm pass after like 15 attempts. 
against the Giants last night. The Giants are devastated they lost that game because they had more than enough time to win, more than enough chances. And the Chiefs just aren't who they used to be. They got to go back to their drawing board and they got to figure out what they can do to stop all of this. What do you even call it? controversy around them. I mean, last year it was like the Kansas City Chiefs couldn't do wrong and now they can only do wrong. You just beat the Giants by three points and you came out the season as a projected Super Bowl favorite. You have a lot of work to do. So let's move on to this NBA. Um, one thing about the NBA that's surprising to me, guys, I'm going to put this out there. A lot of these young guys, they, they don't care. They, they don't care about how you feel. They don't care about if you're on their team. They don't care, guys. Marcus Smart had came out, I want to say last night after a loss to the Bulls, and they had like a 20-point lead. He goes, everybody knows what we're trying to do. Everybody wants to make Jalen and um, Jason Tatum pass the ball, and they simply don't pass the ball. I'm just standing over there in the corner. I mean, I'm like, dude, does not does that not hurt nobody's chemistry? Can you guys not talk about that in the locker room? I understand if someone asks you that in the press, you can answer it in a way of, you know, make it seem objective. But he straight up said these guys don't pass the ball, and that's why we lose. And that's crazy to me, dude, to even sit here and think that, like, that's <laughs> that that's that's what they had to wake up to see this morning. Marcus Smart went back into the locker room, head held high, like I said that, and they like, damn, that's how he feels. So they either fix it or they don't. So... The grown men, I hope they figure it out, but the Boston Celtics are too talented to be having these problems. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are, are in the starting lineup as well as Marcus Spart. And those two guys I mentioned before, Marcus Spart, are one of the top five lowest in the pass attempts when they have the ball in their hands. It was like five or it was like five or six a game that they pass when the ball's in their hands. It's absolutely out of this world to think about. When you, I mean Jason Tatum's a great player, don't get me wrong, but Let's see how many times he shot last night. I mean, dude, you can't pass? It's kind of crazy. Let's see. The Boston Celtics lost last night to the... They've already played so many games. The NBA schedule was crazy. There's a game every single day, bro, no matter what. They lost to Chicago last night, 128-114. to 114. Trying to see what Jason Tatum did, if I can pull it up. He had to shoot over 20-something times. Let's see. Jason Tatum shot the ball. Does not say. I cannot find it right now. However, he didn't he didn't pass the ball a lot, dude. And neither did Jalen Brown. Marcus Smart feels some type of way. He wants to win games. He says he's tired of them not passing and he hopes they fix it. Moving on. Um, I didn't really find what I wanted from there, but moving on until the the, the Steph Curry led Warriors guys. I'm I'm not scared, but I'm worried for the Lakers. I'm worried for the teams like the Clippers. I'm worried for those teams who are on paper probably better than them with names. But Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, as well as the help of those young guys, are just as good as any team in the NBA in my opinion. Steph Curry is shooting at a crazy level. Um, All time level would be kind of a reach because he's already reached that. We expect that. Um, a few weeks ago, his trainer came out and said they count, they count non-swishes as a miss. So, in other words, if he does not make nothing but net in the basketball hoop at practice, it doesn't count. No backboards, no roll-ins, no, no hit the back of the rim and go in. No, it has to be a all-butter-time swisher sweet. And it's one of them things that shows you how great he is, man. It really does. I I bring this up to ask a question though. 
Is Clay Thompson the missing piece for the Warriors to become a championship contender in 2021-2022 NBA season? I think the answer to that is is yes, but the but the only other thing that's holding him back is a true big man. Can Wiseman hold up with the greats like Anthony Davis, Dwight Howard, Joel Embiid, people of that nature? Um, can the shooters beside Curry and Clay keep up with them? Because they can't play the whole game. Um, I think that without Clay, they have a pretty good record. It's not positive, but it's also not so negative to where they're like, yeah, we suck. However, Clay Thompson is he's playing with a chip on his shoulder, dude. He wasn't picked in top 75. He wears the number 77 jersey now at practice and in public. He feels it. He's taking it in. He's reeling it in. And what he's going to do, he's going to come out. He's going to score 50, 60 points. I'm just going to call it. He's going to do it this year. Um, he's supposed to be back about December, January, a little bit after that. And the Warriors are going to be locked in. I don't think they're ever going to leave the court. It's going to be a great season for everybody that does not play the Warriors with Klay Thompson. So uh, I'm scared. I'm scared to be a West fan. I'm scared to be a Lakers fan because those guys can just outshoot us. It's The Lakers have a great thing going with Carmelo shooting, but who else is shooting? Malik Monk a little bit, and that's about it, dude. We have to have more shooters. We have to have more we have to have more spotter shoes. We need more leaners. We need more everything. So if you know a guy or you are the guy, come play for the Lakers, man, because we need some shooting. Russell Will- Russell Westbrook yesterday shot a ball that was the worst I've seen in a long time. It hit the corner of the freaking backboard, bounced out of bounds, and he just walks away like nothing happens. And then the commentary is like, wow, what the heck? So when you're in the NBA and you shoot a ball that bad for the commentary to say, wow, what the heck? pretty bad dude go to the gym somebody said he needs to go to the gym and work out i said no he needs to go home and shoot a thousand basketball jump shots and then maybe come back and see if he makes some and he can do it um i want to say i don't think it was on the lakers but a few years ago he was shooting amazingly from the field not three point but you know mid-range stuff like that in high school he can do it i just i just think that i don't know i don't know what it is i think that russell westbrook it's just like Giannis when it comes to free throws, but the opposite. Giannis knew he was bad at free throws, so he fixed it. Westbrook doesn't necessarily think he's bad at shooting, so he doesn't fix it. But we all know he's bad at shooting. So, I mean, just fix it, dude. Just please fix it. Because when you're on a list with Christian Wood and Kevin Porter Jr. for shooting, it's not that good. Christian Wood is a power forward. Kevin Porter Jr. is a shooting guard. But, you know, that that's something you can fix. Um, moving on with the uh, Thunder... The Thunder are going to struggle this year. The Thunder are going to be rebuilding for two or three more years. But the one positive thing about Thunder is this is going to be the year you figure out who's good and who's not. Kendrick Johnson is a pretty darn good player. We already know about Shy. Darius Baisley's coming coming along. He's waking up. Lou Dort, we need a little bit more from him as, as, as an organization, but he plays great defense. We got to get him more of a shooter, more in rhythm, more, more comfortable with, you know, the way that he's moving around and stuff. So... I mean, if you're the Thunder, you, you can't be mad about much and you can't be happy about much either. Just keep an even kill if you're a Thunder fan. Watch these games. Support them in their beautiful New Jerseys and just and just root them on, man, because like I said about Russell Westbrook, I said high school. I meant to say with the Thunder. When he was with the Thunder, he knew how to shoot, and I don't know if that was a testimony to our coaching or what, but the Lakers are going to have to get him in that gym. So 
Back to the Thunder. They had a great win over the Lakers that passed uh, last weekend. Russell Westbrook got ejected from the game. We can't have that. I'm a Lakers fan. I'm a LeBron fan. So when I say we, I'm talking about the Lakers. We can't have that, Westbrook. We need you in the game. We need you to come out and get those dunks, get those mid-ranges, get those defense stops, get those steals. But when you get ripped by a young guy like Darius Baisley, he goes and dunks it. Then you get mad that he dunked it. You would have done the same thing, especially for the for the Thunder, they're not going to win a lot of games. They're not going to have a lot of time to celebrate. He was just enjoying his time, man. He had he meant nothing by it. So, Westbrook, I know you're not listening, but if he is or somebody you know is, get into the gym, shoot some jump shots so we can get LeBron his fifth ring. Thank you so much. James Harden, off to a horrible start, slow start. You know, they changed the rule about the little... When you shoot the threes and you flail your arms and you and you fly like a bird into the under defender, it's no longer a defensive foul. They're not even going to call it. They're just going to let you look there and look stupid. But a lot of people are asking, are the refs to blame? Are the refs to blame for James Harden's slow start? Then I just don't think they are. I think that he's to blame because everybody knew that they changed the rule, and even people like Trey Young are still trying to get are getting a little crap for it. But that doesn't change it. Trey, Trey Young is still out there doing his thing. He's getting his buckets. He's going to the back and he's getting gritty on them. He really is. So. James Harden off to a surprisingly poor start. He's, he's shooting freaking 36% from the field, 16.6 points per game. But on Friday, he did come out and have 29 points while draining 16 and 19 free throws. The big problem for um, James Harden this year is that the free throws aren't coming at um, at his disposal no more. He used to be able to get the free throws on any given drive, on any given layup. So without that, and as well as the, the three-point conversion thing going out the way, it's tough for James Harden. He'll figure it out, though. He's a great player. He's gonna. He's been an MVP candidate for the past like five years, dude. So I'm not writing him off. I'm just saying that he needs to learn how to do different things because obviously the slow starts a testimony to your work ethic in this offseason, as well as you trying to be a rapper for PF Harden and going to all these clubs and parties while your team's coaching or your, or your team's playing or your team's at a scrimmage or your team's working out. We need more from you, James Harden, and especially with Kyrie Irving. Not playing, not getting the vaccine. Kevin Durant trying his best to stay sane. We all know he don't like losing. He might be leaving here pretty soon if they keep losing. So, I mean, James Harden, Kevin Durant, just hold it down. Try to push these nets through the rest of the season. Um, I need to... Uh, one one thing I want to talk about in the NBA that really caught my eye this past weekend is the LeBron dunk. The LeBron dunk, I don't know who they play, but LeBron came out and needed a reverse dunk on the baseline going to the opposite way. I want to say like two or three days ago, and a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, it's like year 19. Yes, it's year 19, but he's LeBron James, guys. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize, and I do because I've been watching LeBron for a long time. Yeah, he's old. Don't get me wrong. There's a few things he cannot even do anymore, but it's so minuscule, and it's so up to him all the time that no one even notices. If you guys realize that when LeBron makes these dunks, when LeBron hits the half-court shot like he did last week as well, too, all of these are in rhythm when he's not necessarily trying. One thing about LeBron that has scared me in the past few years, he's been trying a little bit too hard. And sometimes when you try too hard, it doesn't work. Like when he was putting his back to the basket his first year to, with the Lakers and trying to do a lot of turnarounds, no problem. He did that with the Heat, but that's that's not his natural game. LeBron's natural game is pick and roll, get to the basket, make a pass, pop out, hit a three. That's his game. So I just don't want him to try too much. But I think LeBron James has a very, very good team. They're four and three, second in in the Pacific Division. They have a chance to do anything any team could possibly think of, but they're going to have to stop losing to teams like the Thunder. The, the teams like the Thunder should never beat you guys. I don't care how good the Thunder are or how good you guys are. When you guys have Carmelo Anthony, Dwight Howard, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Malik Monk, Avery Bradley of those nature, and you lose to the freaking Thunder, 
I have I don't have much to say to you guys. So you know, sh- just shake back, man. If you if, if you're the NBA right now, you're feeling like you're in good hands. A lot of young guys: Zion Williamson, Lonzo Ball, Lamelo Ball, Miles Bridges. I mean, all those guys are young and they're hooping, man. So shout out to them guys. That's episode ten. Of Let's talk about it. And I want to I want to take a minute or two to tell you guys about what's to come on episode eleven or twelve or thirteen or in the future. So basically, for episode one through ten, I wanted to keep up with college football. I will still mention college football rankings as well as stats and scores of my favorite teams in the top ten. But for these next few episodes, we're gonna keep this thing rolling, man. We're going to start doing segments. We're going to do a segment focused on NBA news, NFL news, college football news, college basketball news, things of that nature. We're going to have more of a topic-oriented podcast coming up soon. So for all you guys that have been listening, there will be a slight change to the demographic of how we do things. And I think it will be great for us. I think it will be... I think it will be very exciting for you guys, too, because you won't have to come in here and, like some people I know, they tell me they skip to the NBA or they skip to the football or they skip to this and that because they want to hear this and that. A lot of people don't have 35 minutes to 40 minutes to sit here and listen to me talk, and that's just the reality of life. So I'm going to start doing segments about one specific topic, whether that be a person, a story, or even an organization. So shout out to everybody who's listening. Thank you. I'm your host, Jaden Ford. This is Let's Talk About It.